Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. But before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how we can mend the division within the church. Here's Jesus' prayer. This is John 17. Look at verse 20. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, Jesus praying to his father the night before he died, but for those, verse 20, also who believe in me through their word, that they may be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe. Notice our unity is evangelistic. That the world may believe that thou didst send me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, 23, thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity. That's our subject today, unity. That the world may know. Notice a second time. That the world may know. I take it the unbelieving world. That they may know that thou didst send me and didst love them even as thou didst love me. Earlier in John, as you turn back to 1 Corinthians, Jesus said that men, women would know that we are his disciples by our love one for another. Our unity does have an impact in the world. It strikes me that Jesus says that his church should in this respect reflect his nature. Think about it. He said that we would be one as he and the Father are one. So we think of the triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he prayed that our oneness would be akin to that, would be similar to that, so that the world would see the nature of God reflected in the church. And of course, ours is a reflected light. We're not the light but we reflect the light of God. Nowhere else in the world will you see a mix of people like us with all these different football jerseys on this morning. Teams that don't like each other, but somehow we still manage to love each other. It only can be the work of the Spirit. (laughs) Anyway, that's kind of a silly example, but you know what I'm talking about. Jesus is our peace. He is our shalom. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom. And it's a word in the Hebrew picture language that actually is defined this way by Dr. Seekins. Shalom means to destroy the authority that establishes chaos and to deal with root issues. Shalom is a very Jewish expression for being well in your whole person, for being well with God and with others. It's about being well with God and the community of family and saints that are around you. It's shalom. It's this idea of peace. One commentary I read this week says, The undergirding human longing is for unity, not disunity. Harmony, not chaos. Integration and not disintegration. The desire to be a unified, shalomic community of people who sacrificially love one another. But in reality, this is not the normative structure of communities. Throughout the Old Testament prophets, they dreamed about the glorious day. They called it the golden age, when all things that are corrupt 
and broken down will, would be rebuilt. Where the wolf and the lamb would lie down together. When there would be peace in all my holy mountain. When they would learn war no more. When they would beat their swords into plowshares. This is what the Bible anticipates in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ when the Prince of Peace is reigning from Jerusalem, reigning as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That day is coming, praise the Lord. It's going to be realized at some point. We have the down payment of it now. We have Jesus Christ living in us right now. But one day we will realize this golden age. But right now we find ourselves in the church. And the church can be a messy place, no doubt. Because we say that the church is a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints, right? We welcome each one of us in with all of our hangups and all of our struggles and all of our imperfections and idiosyncrasies and everything else we could name. And we're, we're commanded to love each other. As he loved us, so we should love one another. If that was your target for the rest of your days, you would have a great target to aim for. In fact, you would be doing what Jesus commanded we do to love each other as he loved us. You see, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful. He's faithful to love. He's faithful to finish what he started in us despite our weaknesses and shortcomings through whom you, church, were called, 1 Corinthians 1.9, into fellowship. See the word fellowship? That's the word koinonia. It's spelled K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, koinonia. You may have heard that before. The koinonia we enjoy is with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, but it's also with one another. God is faithful, but we know people are another story. As one person put it, to live above with saints we love will certainly be glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> and all God's people said, yeah, <laughs> I think so. What is koinonia? Koinonia speaks of partnership, participation. It speaks of community and communion. It speaks of close association and intimacy. It speaks of a tight-knit community bound together in truth and love. We have unity around the truth of Jesus. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. You guys look up at this verse right here. That verse is three verses before what I just read to you in Jesus's prayer. We don't have unity around nothing. We have unity around the person of Christ and the truth of Christ. We have a world today that wants unity, but not around the essential uh, doctrines of Christianity. Our unity is around who Christ is and who he claimed to be. We are to be a tight-knit group, but whenever you're in a tight-knit situation, there's always the possibility that things can unravel. Sometimes you take a long car ride with your family. You're, you're finally going to get to that vacation that you've been longing for for years, and you all get in the car, and you imagine singing camp songs the whole time as you travel with the kids smiling in the back seat. Isn't this great? Sing another one, Daddy. And then reality sets in. They're choking each other in the back seat. You prayed for unity. You brought these children into the world. You can also take them out of the world. <laughs> and Paul 
writes back to the Corinthian church after his introduction about the faithfulness of God. And as I mentioned, the, the letter is largely corrective. And he says the following. This is verse 10. Now, the Greek word is day. It's the idea of now or but. It's a contrast with the preceding. So they are very far from the fellowship mentioned in verse 9. In fact, they have division. Now I exhort you, I appeal to you, NIV, I plead with you, New King James, verse 10. Brethren, I appeal, I appeal to you, brothers, the ESV. By the way, the, the term brothers or brethren used 39 times in 1 Corinthians. Second place, Romans and 1 Thessalonians used 19 times. So this is the most times that Paul appeals to a familial term. You are brethren, you are brothers. I appeal to you. The idea of appeal is I beg you, I beseech you. It's a pastoral appeal, brethren. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one to whom you were called into fellowship, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, here's his pleading, but you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now comes the appeal from the Apostle Paul. Put yourself in his sandals. He spent a year and a half. He, was, he planted the church in Corinth. He poured into these people. And then he gets a report that they're all divided. That they have all these little camps within the Corinthian congregation surrounded around or centered in different teachers that they like the best. And the church, instead of being one, instead of being in true koinonia, was divided. And Paul appeals to them. He says, this isn't just about getting along. This just isn't about a social club. This is about a group of people purchased by the blood of the Lamb, led by the good shepherd. We should know better. Our unity is evangelistic. And I'm sure that many of you have not thought about unity that way. But when people walk into a church and they see you guys loving each other, it's a sign. It's an it's a invitation into a love and a peace that most in our world do not know. They don't know an unconditional love. They don't know a supernatural peace. They know a pseudo-peace, a false peace that's conditional. That's based upon circumstances. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. His peace is unique because it is supernatural. And so Paul pleads with them. He pleads with them to be one. If you've ever been a person who's watched a family or a church argue and then begin to disintegrate, you know the feelings that Paul has, especially if you have some stock in it especially if you have a relationship with these people and you watch it and you go, oh my goodness, this is so sad. Sometimes it's over, you know, money that's been left by someone who passed on and so forth. And you watch division happen. The word division translates a Greek word called schismata. It's S-C-H-I-S-M-A-T-A, -S -S schismata. In the physical sense, the word schismata means to tear or rip. It means to separate. Uh, it, it's uh, to split or gap. It's a schism. That's the idea of the word. It means to rend a garment. And you could hear Paul's pastoral heart saying, please stop tearing each other apart. Stop. Please stop tearing each other apart. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Sometimes it's over, you know, money that's been left by someone who passed on and so forth. And you watch division happen. The word division translates a Greek word called schismata. It's S-C-H-I-S-M-A-T-A, schismata. In the physical sense, the word schismata means to tear or rip. It means to separate. Uh, It's uh, to split or gap. It's a schism. That's the idea of the word. It means to rend a garment. And you could hear Paul's pastoral heart saying, please stop tearing each other apart. Stop. Please stop tearing each other apart. Your disunity needs to be mended because you are tearing each other apart. People in churches are literally ripped apart by divisions that many times are driven by a few people who demand their way. And if it doesn't happen, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they become the source of tearing apart the very fiber of a church. Eventually, the church becomes frayed to use our language of mending and must be mended back together. Listen to Ray Steadman, who's now with the Lord. Over the years, I've been called to help settle disputes at a number of different churches. I've seen one common denominator in every case. People on both sides of the dispute spoke of the church they attended as my church. They didn't merely mean the church I go to. They meant the church belongs to me. Every church dispute you encounter, people who feel a sense of proprietorship toward the church, a sense that they have the right to call the shots. These people forget who truly owns the church and they forget who paid for the church in blood, close quote. You see, when we get weird about these things, when we think that we own it and so our way or the highway, it it can become very divisive. In fact, Paul says, Warn a divisive, factious person a couple of times and then have nothing to do with them because this is one of the things that can really hurt a church. Look at verse 10. He implores them that there be no schismata among them, but that you be made complete. See the word complete there? That's katartizo in the Greek. It's a word used that when Jesus came up to call James and John, they were mending their nets. To be made complete is to be mended back together again. In the ancient medical world, it was used for the resetting of a bone. If you broke a bone and it needed to be reset by a medical doctor, that's the word katartizo. It's the idea of mending mending and even equipping. And when a bone is reset, it can become stronger once it's reset and heals. And there's hope for all of us. If we've been in a situation where something's been ripped apart, it could be a marriage, it could be a close relationship, it may be you this morning, you've walked into this place and there's something that's literally been torn from you or you're torn apart. 
The good news is that God can heal. He can bring you back together again. He can mend the wound. He can sew things back together. Colossians 2.2 says that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love. That's the key. And attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. So we are to be sowing seeds of love. If we can use the mending analogy, we're to sow things that mend people back together because this is a hard world to live in. It can be very difficult. You you get hired at a company and it can be literally a dog-eat-dog world. We all know how it can be. So we want to come into a place like the church that is safe and healing. Paul is not calling upon all Christians to be cookie-cutter Christians, by the way. He's not saying that you should all dress alike, think alike in every category of your life. Please, that would be frightening. (laughs) If we all walked in with the same clothing on, uniforms or something like that, good morning, good morning, people would think something weird is going on. Later, Paul will talk about the beauty of our unity within our diversity This is the beauty of the body of Christ. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, people from all around the globe, one day will be before the throne and before the Lamb, celebrating, honoring the one who paid for us all. What are the steps to mending disunity? Let me give you a few. First, uh, the one I just mentioned is agreement about the main things or the main focus. Agreement about the main things or the main focus. Speak the same was a term used to describe political parties that were free from factions. How many of you watch a little bit of political theater these days? Uh, it's, hard. it's hard not to watch it, right? And you watch people debate back and forth, up and down. In the first five minutes of most of the programs, you'll get all the stories of the day. But they have to be looked at from every angle. And people are heated and they talk over each other. And that's a loose interpretation of how they sound. (laughs) And then there's a person in the middle. Calm down. Let this person finish. Calm down. Yeah, that's a good point. And and people, they almost look like they're going to combust on the air. John MacArthur comments, a few things are more devastating to to a church than everyone having his own ideas and interpretations about the faith, or of the congregation being divided into various factions, each with its own views. This could also apply to biblical ethics. I mean, if you went to multiple Bible studies in a church and someone was teaching something different about the gospel or the Trinity, or how you get saved, would you be a little confused? Some new Christians who turn on so-called Christian television can get confused. Why? Because they often hear someone with sound theology preaching sound doctrine, and then the next person in the next half hour is out to lunch. And people get confused. This is not what should go on in the Christian church. The local church, if it's going to be spiritually healthy, harmonious, and effective, must above all, please hear what I'm about to say, must above all have doctrinal unity. If we don't have unity around the truth, we have nothing. All we are then is a social club who's found some common things that bring us together on a Sunday morning like this. To me, that's useless. I'll go to the beach instead, thank you. 
I don't need a social club. I want to know the one who bought me, the one who saved me, and the one who called a community to himself. Amen? And I think that's what the world needs as well. And so we need doctrinal unity. Maybe a good place to start when a church is in trouble or a marriage is in trouble is this. Can we just agree on this? Can we just agree on this? Maybe if your marriage is in trouble, could you say, can we just agree on the fact that we made a covenant to love one another? We made vows to one another. Can we agree on that? Can we start there? Can we as the church agree? And I'm speaking to the church worldwide now. Can we as the church agree that our main focus is Jesus and the gospel, the word of God, the God of the Bible? Can we agree on that? Because then we can talk about non-essential issues and we can then decide where those land, right? You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. And that was his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how we can mend the division within the church. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Last week, we completed our series in the book of Revelation. If you missed any part of it, you can listen to every teaching on our website, walkintruth.com. You can also listen when you search Walk in Truth on apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, and Spotify. So you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, as we consider a message called Mending Division, you know, there's there's mending work to do in many of our relationships. We think of you know, sometimes there's fractures in families, uh, marriages can can be hurting. How do you mend division? You know, one of the way, main ways you mend division is hu- through humility. Pride is at the center of just about every fight, you guys. I mean, this is just the fact of the matter. And there was pride and um, one-upsmanship and status happening in the early church in Corinth. And it happens in Corona. And I'm sure it happens in your neck of the woods as well. And frankly, it has to stop because the Lord wants us to be united. Now, sometimes there's reasons why we may have to argue something strong, essentials for the faith, that kind of thing. But on these peripheral issues, these issues that come back to pride and all the ugly stuff, there's no place for it. And so let it start with us is what I would say. Oh, that we would be unified. You know, Jesus said the world would know that we belong to him by our love for one another and our unity. He prayed for our unity in John 17. And I pray that we can respond to his prayer by aligning our hearts with God's and sending a message to the world that the church is a different kind of place. Now, whenever the church shows some of the ugly things, it also is a reminder that we're saved by grace and we're all sinners saved by grace. And We do need to let people know that the church is an imperfect place. It is a hospital for sinners. And it does mean that you're probably going to experience some imperfections in the church. There's no perfect church. And uh, you've heard the old joke, if you find a perfect one, don't join it because you'll ruin it. We've all heard that before. But you know what? Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Sometimes people just say the wrong thing. They act the wrong way. And maybe you've been hurt and maybe that's why you've been away and you've been listening to Christian radio as a, a, you know, kind of a substitute, but it's really not a full substitute for fellowship, right? You know, it's not a substitute for being known and using your gifts and being part of a body. There's so much beauty to that. 
And so I would just say to you, if you've been hurt by the church, take a step of faith back. You know, the church that I pastor, we're trying to love everybody. And I know we're a group of imperfect people, but I know that churches all around this country would just love to have a chance to love you. So take a step of faith back. And if we can help you with that, reach out to us at walkintruth.com today. If we can pray for you, if you need some help to take that first step of courage, we'd love to help you, walkintruth.com. Well, we've been telling you about a marriage conference coming up here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. It's called I Do and Together We Will. It comes really from those traditional marriage vows, and it's happening tomorrow. It starts tomorrow, October 11th and the 12th. It's only $20 per couple, and you can register today on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app. If you haven't downloaded that yet, go ahead and go to your app store, search Living Truth Christian Fellowship, look for the red logo with the pillars, download it, and you can sign up on the app today. Hey, if your marriage needs some work, and and which marriage doesn't, And maybe if your marriage is even dangling by a thread right now, why not do this? Why not take a shot, get some instruction from the Word of God, hear some great stories, have some time of fellowship, and work on your marriage? Man, our marriages need, they deserve that work, they deserve our best, and so we invite you out. So check it out on the app today, and we'll see you here at I Do, and together we will. Now, be sure to tune in again tomorrow as we'll continue Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how we can mend the division within the church. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.